Yes, Lord God, there is indeed a war in this earth for the souls of men. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are victorious. You're the captain of the hosts. You have finished the work. You've overcome your enemy. And so we thank you this day that your will be done, O God, on earth, in and through us, as it's being done and declared in heaven. Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Lord God, you demonstrated your love and your will towards us when you sent Jesus to die in our place because there was no other solution. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the, the, taking the death sentence for us and for laying down your life for us. Thank you, Father, for the revelation of Jesus Christ and for his soon coming again. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy, and we thank you now that you would give us wisdom. Lord God, we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, and that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. So cause us to stand and having done all to stand to not to grow weary in well-doing, not to faint in the day of adversity, but to give you praise and give you strength. Look up. We have no idea, but our redemption is drawing nearer and nearer by the day. So we ask for wisdom now and for eyes to see and ears to hear and heart to understand for all of those of you who tune in and blessings to you all as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I woke up this morning with an interesting verse in my mind. Um, <laughs> the Lord is not willing um, to uh, afflict the souls of men. Let me read that for you, okay? Yeah. J- uh, this is the book of Lamentations. Middle of the book. Yes. Uh, chapter 3, verses 31 through, let's go through 36. 36. For the Lord will not cast off forever... Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. He does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the justice due a man before the face of the Most High, or subvert a man in his cause. The Lord does not approve. So I woke up this morning with that word, um... The Lord does not afflict willingly. So what does that mean? That he's not willing. He doesn't want to afflict and coerce and, and, and bring all of these horrible things upon us. And yet, because we do not understand the goodness of God or the purposes of God um, and have been so brainwashed to believing he is everything he's not, we have a hard time even thinking of God in terms of being an, an advocate or a, uh, a blessing because we attribute all of these horrible things to God. Well, God is in control. God should be able to do this. But he's not willing. Jesus, you know, when the leper came and says, are you willing? Jesus says, yes, I'm willing to heal you. So we have to kind of look at God not as an enemy or an adversary, but as a true um, resource, a strong tower, a, a, a city of refuge, a rock, uh, a fortress. Yeah, in the context, of course, in the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah is writing, it's kind of like a funeral dirge mm-hmm. uh, after the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. by the Babylonians. 
And basically, you know, for all his life, for like 40 years, um, Jeremiah spoke to the people the word of the Lord, uh, warned them, called them to come back to the Lord, Mm -hmm. and they just rejected him. They rejected the word of the Lord. They just over and over again, and finally it got to the point where there was no remedy that, that, you know, that they basically brought upon themselves right. destruction and horror because of their refusal to follow the word of the Lord, mm-hmm. refusal to Believe. repent and, and turn mm-hmm. from their wicked ways. Or no, and Hardness, trust, yeah. Just, they were so hard-hearted and that they, um, <laughs> there was no choice. God said, you know what, I'm going to have to allow this to happen because you brought this all on yourselves. And yet God says in Isaiah chapter 40, he says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out for her, that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. So we see that in the, in the Bible, you have God in his relationship with his children, the children of Israel, uh, Abraham and his sons and daughters. Um, and, and you see that these people were given the covenants. They were given the commandments. They were given uh, opportunity to know and have a relationship with the Lord God, you know, through the deliverance, through Moses, through the prophets. And yet they were, you know, always surrounded, taken up, um, seduced, whatever, by the elements of the world, the spirits of darkness. And so he was keeping, continuing to call his people back to the place of protection because he knew that if they continued in their iniquities, that the enemy would find fault with them and be mm-hmm. able to destroy them. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that this, the, the Bible is written not for the pagans, but for the Christians, for the believers, for those who would, would follow the Lord God and know his ways. And so when he says, comfort my people, there is a, we have to, repent, of course, confess our iniquities, as he says, and then turn from our wicked ways and see the beginning of that healing and that salvation. And it uh, says in Jeremiah, uh, a little further down, chapter 3, um, why, uh, verse 39, why should a living man complain a man for the punishment of his sins? He says, Let, don't, if, if, you're, if you're getting punishment because you've sown iniquity, you've sown sin, and you're getting the crop back on it, don't complain about it, because it's basically the crop that you're picking what you planted. Verse 40, let us search out and examine our ways Mm -hmm. and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. Well, the reason that they had not been pardoned, because they had not repented of their sin. And, you know, we talk always so much about the sin and repenting of the sin, and sometimes people even don't even know what that sin is because they're so untaught in the ways right. of God. Um, but in Psalm 40, the um, this psalmist is writing, um, the Psalm of David, actually, verse 1, 40, Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the, that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. Um, 
Many, O Lord God, are your wonderful works. So we see that the people have been tempted to turn away to, uh, to lies. And of course, we have been absolutely in these days and always from the beginning, really, it's an understatement, inundated with the confusion, the lies, the deception, the deliberate disinformation to create this confusion and anxiety in the people. And who's doing what? Who's telling the truth? Is this war good, bad? Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? You don't even know. Uh, but what we do know, and some people think they know, and that's fine. I don't, you know, I don't begrudge them the ideas of knowing what they know. But the thing is, um, we have to go back to the the rock. He says that we were in a pit and God has set our feet upon a rock. That rock for you guys who are really interested in wake in walking a solid walk, that rock is Jesus Christ. We go back to the scriptures. We go back to the concepts of truth. We go back to the truth about who God is. And you know, we've been going through some tough things ourselves. And of course, the thing that happens is God is going to, God is good all the time. This is, there's, there's several things that God is working to um, confirm and prove regarding his integrity, his truth, his love. God is good all the time. God is love. God is truth. And God is faithful. And these are the four things. There are many other things God is, but Satan is really challenging our understanding of God's goodness, of God's truth, of God's faithfulness, of God's love in every area and element of our lives, personally and corporately, Satan is challenging us to disregard, give up, go away, and stop believing in the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. Well, when Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations, he one of the things he's doing, he's recounting, he's there Jerusalem has been destroyed, and he's there. He's seeing all the the horror, all the carnage that t- took place because of the Babylonians coming in and tearing everything apart. And um, it, it, you know, he's weeping. He he doesn't say to the you know people. He doesn't say, "Well, I told you so." No. You know, but he did. He did tell them so. Yeah. He said, "This is what's going to happen if you don't turn from the Lord." And here it is. But he's not saying, "I told you so." He's saying. He's mourning. He he's in he's in grief over people. everything, mm-hmm. and and he's in grief for not only for not only what they did to him to reject him, throw him in pits, throw stones at him, just imprison him, lie about him, send false prophets against him. I mean, he was just battered in every way a man could be battered. But he says, and then of course, then here comes all the destruction that he had prophesied hoping that it would never come but the people said no we're not going to we're not going to turn from our wickedness but he says in Jerem- in lamentations 3:22 and 24 um well we can keep going beyond that a little bit too but though the, through the lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. So, but he's saying, he says, it's just, we could be just totally gone, but we're not. I mean, the dis- the destruction, the devastation is widespread. But yet the, the Lord remains compassionate. The Lord remains faithful. The Lord 
you know, he is our hope. Yes. He is our hope. Yep. He is the only hope. And in, in Psalm 40, continuing on, uh, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. That's verse 11. Verse 12, for innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Be pleased, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and be brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backwards and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. In Psalm 41, verse 10, he says, But you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up. That I. So the thing is, what we're asking for here is, you know, two things. We make a move towards God by repenting, acknowledging, you know, the lies, the, the unbelief, the fear, the anxiety. And the Bible says, cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And this is a very hard thing to do when we're surrounded and suffocated with sin, darkness, evil, negativity, um, and, and, the, and the, the blood guilt that is upon this earth from generations and centuries of people who have um, shed blood. And so now we're here, but we have, we, have all, we have personal lives and we also have a corporate world that we're looking at that's, that's, that's just reeling. Even all creation seems to be groaning in mm-hmm. this matter mm-hmm. of the, the coming of the Lord. Um, in Isaiah, I, yeah, in Isaiah chapter 41, he says, um, fear me. Let's just read that for a minute. Um, he says, um, this, is, this is encouragement here. Chapter 41, verse 9. He says, um, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, you, God's talking, whom I have taken from the ends of it and called from the farthest regions and said to you, you are my servant, my chosen, I have chosen, I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contend with you and those who war against you shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your hand, your right hand, and say to you, Fear not, I will help you. So we're seeing here God's attempt to comfort the people if they're willing to receive that comfort, that encouragement, that truth, because God wants us to walk in that place of truth, stand in having done all to stand, withstand in the evil day, having your, your waist girded with a belt of truth. And so God wants us to not shrink and shrivel and, and you know faint in the day of adversity, but stand because he is the one who is in control and goes before us and he is good and he loves us and he is truth and he's faithful to complete the work he's begun in us. So there's two major realms that we're operating in right now, okay? And uh, we, we have this world, the macrocosm of the world that's just, you mentioned earlier, Marjorie, it's just crazy, lying, oppressive, um, <laughs> destructive. On every side, all around the world, we see this. So we see this situation, um, you know, and there's lots of fear. There's lots of, you know, oppression of all kinds coming against us in this present world okay this present darkness so, this present darkness yeah. and then so but then what we have in the in the microcosm is like our own lives our own uh, world in the midst of the world 
where we have our uh, what's going on in us, mm-hmm. the attacks in us personally, the attacks upon our families, all this sort of thing. So we're dealing with these. Yeah, two two realms, from two fronts, and two within two war two fronts. major fronts, mm-hmm. and and the Lord is you know. But ultimately, what we can do, the only thing we can do is be reconciled to God, our personal selves, because it's your personal soul that is in hanging in the balance. You cannot, we can tell other people, we can encourage, we can pray, we can deliver, we can do all kinds of things. But ultimately, the, the, be, the beginning of the freedom starts with truth in you. And I think for all of us, that is, you know, the day of reckoning. There's times that things happen in our lives that God permits, not because he's mad at us, but because he is he's wanting us to stand and having done all to stand to know the truth, to fi- to find him, to find him faithful and to cast our care upon him. Like I said, so when, you know, when we go through these deep waters, Isaiah chapter 43, probably most of you already know these verses because you've probably used them many times, but now thus says the Lord verse one, um, Oh, cr- oh who created you? Oh, Jacob. And he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then he goes on to say, um, uh, Since you are precious in my sight, you have been honored. I have loved you. Therefore, I have given men for you and people for your life. Fear not. For I am with you. I will bring your descendants through the, from the east and gather you from the west. So he's, there's a good end here. There's a, he's gathering our children, bringing all things back to the place of goodness. But he's saying, fear not, do not fear. So our, this, all of these tests that we're going through, ultimately, you know, we think we're being tried. Our faith is being tried and God is testing our faith. And, and you know, God is, is mad at us. And this all is calamity is all happening because of uh, our sin. And in part, that is true. The calamities have opened the, uh, I'm sorry, the iniquities and sin have opened the door for the devil to bring in the calamities right. because we have willed them. We have chosen them. We have refused the counsel of the, of the Lord God and the Holy Spirit, or we've, we've, we've refused to get serious with God. We've kind of lived a, in a coasting, coasting along in our lives just to see what, but we can't do that anymore. And that's a good thing that we can't just be superficial and go back to normal. It's a good thing that we start to dig in and engage in our lives truly and at that spiritual level where God needs to be God. And so it's, it, the, the things are so bad everywhere that there's no one who can help us but God because God wants to, he loves, he lo- do we really believe that? Do we really believe, oh, we say it all the time. Yes, God loves me. Jesus loves me. God is love, blah, blah, blah. But do we really believe that? Because if I believe that and if my life depends upon that, then I will have to believe it or not believe it. If my life depends on the goodness of God, the love of God, the, the, the healing virtue of God, the deliverance of God, the, you know, the willingness of God, if my life depends upon that, and then I need to know that. I need to embrace that. I need to grab onto that. I need to hold onto that for dear life. I need to stop looking to the methods and ways of escape and the shortcuts uh, that that short circuit and shortcut sanctification, holiness, honor, integrity, and the revelation of Jesus Christ. God is here for for to make us, uh, create us, make us in the in the image of Jesus Christ, that we would be uh, formed and fashioned uh, in that image. And right now, it's your choice. It's your life. You may have a day left of it. You may have 
20 years left. Of, you may have a lot of time left. You may have no, it's your life. You get to say and decide where that is going to end up. Satan is really trying to get you to go his way, to give up to anxiety and fear and cursing God and, and, and double-mindedness and um, anger uh, and bitterness. Bitterness is a very big one. B- bitterness is super big here in this war because if you look at the story of Job, we know the story how it began. And, and God was bragging on Job actually to the devil saying, have you seen my righteous servant Job? as you've been going to and fro on the earth. And, and Satan basically said, yeah, well, right, you give him everything, so why doesn't he serve you? Of course he's going to serve you. Uh, but then, but see, then God um, allowed Job to experience him at a deeper level. And, you know, one of the things, Job was already a righteous man. He was already giving alms to the poor and, and taking in the orphans and the widows and all that other good stuff that we think of as good. He was doing all of those things, and yet um, he could have said to God, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? I, I've, you know, I, I have practiced karma. I have been doing good things for good, you know, people. And, and, and so therefore good things should come back to me. What is this? And, you know, karma creates bitterness because if you expect that you're going to just get blessed because you, you're good and then it doesn't happen, of course, then you can shake your fist at God and say, why me, God? And what are you doing, God? And why did you do this to me? So bitterness against the most high is one of Satan's highest achievements in all the things he wants to do to destroy us, one of his most delightful achievements is getting us to become bitter and verbal in that bitterness against God. And so we have to recognize that that spirit of bitterness that's coming out of your mouth, that is lodged in your heart, that comes through your mouth, what the heart is full of the mouth speaks, that that spirit of bitterness is not the Holy Spirit talking to you. If you can recognize, you say, well, it's just me. Well, just me is not you either. Just me is an impersonation of you. You are an I am created by the great I am. Yes, you can speak, but the enemy often uses our voice to convince us of lies, convince us that we believe what we're saying when in fact it's not us saying it. So if that makes any sense to you, not everything, not every thought, not every word, not every uh, feeling that you have that comes out of your body, your mind, your heart, your mouth is you. That is the strategic place where the devil in the soul, mind, will, and emotions, the strategic place where the devil tempts us to take us out, to make us feel unloved, angry, upset, bitter against God. And you need to recognize what's coming out of your mouth and say, no, you won't. You spirit of bitterness against God. You spirit of unbelief. You spirit of double-mindedness. You spirit that's undermining me to get me to undermine myself. You will not. I'm done with you. You have to call them out. You have to do that because if you don't do it, they won't get called out into the light. And if they're not called out into the light, they shift around in the darkness and they continue to re- regroup themselves and, and uh, surplant and, and, and devise their wicked schemes against you. you. And here's the deal. People are terrified about confessing because they think it's their sin. Well, yes, that is a sin and it is a, it's, it's come out of your body. But why don't you just tell on the devil and confess the devil is, yeah, you, the devil made me do it. Well, no, he didn't make you do it. You chose to do it because you believed the lie. Mm-hmm. But the devil um, is the one planting all these things in your mind. And one more thing I have to say that's been bugging me and on my mind a lot, and I've lo- alluded to it a little bit before, this idea of confession. This seems to be, for men and women, the most difficult of all things God has ever asked us to do is to confess our faults, confess our sins, confess we did it wrong, confess we believed a lie, confess we um, 
we, uh, you know, uh, left, walked away from the covenant with God. Adam, there's no record. I don't see it in my Bible. There's no record of Adam ever confessing his sin. Never. How sad. That is why I, I believe when God said to Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And, and it was basically, Adam, confess to me what you did, basically. Tell me what you did. Adam was either terrified of doing it which he, because he had already been overcome with fear and religion and shame because he was already making the fig leaf aprons and he was already um, uh, hiding in the, in the shadows. He was too afraid. He already has, was too overtaken with the lie of fear that God is mad at me and I'm in trouble. And um, to see, he had forgotten the love of God. He'd forgotten that God is merciful. He'd forgotten to believe that God was able to forgive him if he would have just confessed. So Adam never confessed. And to this very day, people, I hate to be a chauvinist. I hate to be a, a gender or something or other. But men, men, biological men, have a really hard time confessing their sins sometimes. I'm not trying to make a generic statement here. It's not every man. and But I tell you what, the men who have really been humbled before the Lord are the only great ones, the ones that are sanctified, the ones who are able and usable by God. Those who are still trying to make something of themselves or try to achieve something or their, their, their work of their hands or their, their in kingdom, their empire. These men are, are, they're not, God cannot use them. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, the last shall be first. Humble yourself before the Lord. Confess your sin. And we forgive Adam, actually. I need to forgive Adam myself for not doing the right thing. I mean, Eve sort of did the right thing. She said, the devil deceived me. She stepped up at least and said, well, she told the truth, actually. The devil did deceive her. And um, that was true. So she, in a way, did confess her sin. She said, yeah, I got tricked. The devil tricked me. And God, you know, had to deal with them. But we, at this end of the age, end of the time, it's your, it's your life. It is your life. You're going to have to humble. And you know, it's hard to humble ourselves. It's even hard to know what we need to humble ourselves about mm-hmm. until the persecution comes, whether it's an internal crisis uh, of cancer or, or disease or uh, broken relationships or an, ex- an external crisis of war in Ukraine. Whatever it is, it is time for you and I to take, use this time to get right with God and to walk in, that, in the righteousness that he has provided for us through Jesus Christ. You mentioned about, <clears throat> excuse me. You mentioned about confessing. That's an important. What, what confesses you? You basically you're coming into agreement. You're you're admitting. Um, coming into agreement with the truth. Are, with with the truth that you lied and that you believed a lie. And, uh, and there's a scripture, and I don't have it right in front of me right now uh, to dig it out. But it says, "He that covers his sin shall not prosper, mm-hmm. but whoever confesses and forsakes mm-hmm. shall have mercy." There's a lot of people that just confess their change, confess, 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 confess. And don't change. And there's no forsake. Yeah. There's no forsaking well, of the sin. They confess it and they still live in it. Well, one That's of the a things, problem. I think one of the problems and why that happens is because we can confess our sin because, oh, yeah, you know, I told a lie. Oh, yeah, it was bitter. Oh, yeah, I stole this candy bar. Oh, yeah, I did that. But to get to the root of the lie, why did I do that? What was the... What was the lie fear was telling me to hold me in that place of stubbornness and stiff-neckedness and idolatry and rejection of God? Because, you know, there is you and I, we, we're foolish to think that we can have our way and, and figure out our way to heaven. There's no way. 
we can get there without and through without the shed blood of Jesus Christ in the way that God has provided for us. There's absolutely no way. And to waste our time to be deceived, to waste your life to be deceived into thinking you can do something you cannot do to save yourself in the end. Because Jesus Christ is coming back. All this stuff, this, this, this chaos, this confusion, this, um, this drama, this demonic, diabolical dance that Satan has set up, that we're caught up in. Don't go there. Go back to the word of God and say, Lord God, what is the lie I have been believing that's allowed my heart to be full of fear, allowed my heart to be full of unbelief? Lord, take me even back to the moment where I made that agreement. And you can do that. The Lord Jesus is the faithful witness. He knows what that moment is. And so if you're open to that, if you're open to letting God be God and protect you, then we can have, we can have um, protection. Um, the Lord says, fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by your, your name. When you pass through the waters, like I said, I will be with you through the rivers. They shall not overflow you. You know, God is there. He was there in, in the Red Sea, and he's with us now. Um, I think, you know, it, and here's the deal. You must start living in the Word of God. You have to read it every day. You have to. I'm not saying you have to, but get, I I can't to. I cannot live myself without reading the Word of God every day and several times a day, well, probably here, even here, morning, noon, and night. Here it, it's a matter of right now. We're we're in a, a serious crunch time. All of life really is a serious crunch time. Mm-hmm. So we are at the place where we decide. Okay, are we going to really fully serve the Lord? Are we going to give ourselves fully over to the Lord? Are we are we just going to play some religious games with Him? Right, right, you know, exactly. And, and 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 you play the religious games, you're just going to get more and more into bondage, Hardened, deceived, and you're going to get more and more deceived. Mm-hmm. You're on a you're on a course of destruction right there. Right, Psalm twenty seven. Um, there's many powerful verses there, and you know, I would if I were you get a pen and start underlining the verses that are powerful and promises important because sometime you're going to flip your Bible open and need to grab something really quick and you can find them quicker that way. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Isn't that what it's all about right now? Those who trust in God will not be afraid and those who don't trust in God will be afraid. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, that is a goal that most people, you know, you think that's an end goal. Well, that's the, the that's the, and it's a present that's a goal. daily goal. Daily goal. <laughs> to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. You can go to his temple, the throne of grace and mercy, the court of God, anytime you want. For in the day of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set my, me on high upon a rock. This is where we need to be right now, Lord God, in the pavilion, in the temple, on the rock, with you, Jesus, and not be so overtaken by the news. All, almost all that news out there, whatever side you're getting, unless you're getting a pretty close source to the real source, is a bunch of propaganda and, and, and just set up to confuse people. Verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Uh, lift up honor and joyous shouts to God. How courageous is that person to continue to look to God even though they're feeling terrified inside? And he says, here, 
O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, that, now this is God talking, or this is the person talking to God. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, you, your face, said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. And then he goes on to say, um, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. And then he talks about false witnesses, and that's a lot of times what happens with people. False witnesses come up against them to breathe out violence against me. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. I say, wait upon the Lord. So this is the goodness of God. We're waiting on the goodness of God. We're waiting upon God to reveal himself. You will not be disappointed. God will bring us through these things. He brought the the men and women of God through the course that they were appointed to. So Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, may words from this uh, podcast hit uh, str- uh, strike the strings of our heart to create a melody of joy and praise and peace and revelation in the, the coming of Jesus Christ and what we need to be doing now in the middle as, as we await upon the Lord. Be strengthened, be of good courage. He said he will strengthen our heart. So we wait upon you. We ask for the courage and we ask for you to strengthen us, Lord God, as we, as we look to you for your faithfulness to complete the work in us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to recommend again a case for justice. A case for justice really goes, it's a book. It goes into depth um, looking at if God is so good, then why? Why do all these bad things happen? It's a tremendous, um, well-thought-out book, truly um, inspiring and truly uh, putting a lot, putting to rest a lot of the theological questions, the emotional questions, the personal questions you might have regarding the goodness of God. That's a case for justice. And it's, you can find it at our website, liferecovery.com. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.